This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Miss Victoria Snitstar, Sar Churchill, commentator Young Voices. Um, also an expert political um, analyst, among other things. Good to have you on the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on with you today, Dr. Richie. Great to be on with you. Great to have you. Um, we're going to chop it up about Trump's alleged proposed um, immigration policy, which I find to be very dangerous, um, extremely bigoted in nature. But I don't want to presume what you know or believe about that proposed policy. So if you would give us your sentiment and I would then opine. Sure, I have a couple of thoughts I want to start off with. So personally, in my opinion, I believe that America has become less safe, less secure, and more dangerous in the past almost three years that Joe Biden has been president of the United States. When we look at things like the numbers of illegal migrants that have crossed into this country, that number now surpasses 9 million. And this isn't just a talking point that we're seeing from Republicans. This is a reality that is being lived on uh, across by Americans from all political stripes, uh, Things like a physical barrier on the southern border are actually pulling at historic highs among public opinion. So this is something that Americans, whether Democrats, Republicans, independents want to see. And even folks like Mayor Eric Adams of New York are going out and saying that what is going on currently cannot keep going. And so we have to look at what are the alternatives and the alternatives are things that President Trump has presented. Um, you know, it is limiting numbers of both legal and illegal migrants. It is doing things like rerouting some of our federal spending from the military to border security. And in my mind, that makes perfect sense because I personally see border security as national security. Okay. All right. Um, so you agree with the proposal uh, to create uh, basically concentration camps to do a massive roundup of undocumented individuals in America? I think that term is definitely charged with a lot of preconceived notions that people have. But when you look at it, things that like camps that are currently on the border, I think you could use that to describe them as well. And they exist under the Biden administration. When you look at- Well, my, my question is, do you agree with Trump's version of this, which is obviously much more um, pronounced and massive? Uh, and they are camps, regardless of how you choose to contextualize it. They would actually be camps. Uh, camps are encampments. Uh, so these would be- uh, encampments throughout the United States in multiple states. Do you agree with that plan or disagree with that plan? Again, I think no policy is perfect, but I think that this policy moves us in the right direction. And I do think that such camps already exist in the United States, even under the yeah. current administration. All right, so let's talk about undocumented immigrants in the United States of America. I do not say the terminology illegal. I do not believe any human being is illegal. Um, the undocumented dynamic in this country is such a hypocrisy in my opinion, and here's why. 98% of individuals that come here undocumented come here for what, uh, Ms. Victoria? I believe that they are pursuing economic opportunities. That is correct, they're pursuing economic opportunity. 
And the reason they're pursuing economic opportunities because countries like America take advantage of the disproportional rate of economy from a country like, let's say, Mexico, and how labor provides benefit for a country like the United States of America. So because of that extreme contrast, in order to make a living in Mexico, it becomes very difficult under the regime and the what we call global economic systems that the West leads. And so you have this migration. This migration takes place because of a cause and effect. The number one attractor to the United States is the fact that employers are willing to hire undocumented labor at a damn near bottom line cost that would be what? Less than $5, sometimes less than $7 an hour, etc. So why is it that when undocumented workers get arrested, or when we talk about it in the narrative or the context of law, that the people who hire them, the CEOs, the hiring manager, the HR director, the recruiter, why is it that we never talk about them breaking the law? And why is it that there's no real emphasis under any administration to go after those who actually are the number one reason why people come here undocumented? Why do you think that is? Well, personally, I believe that the number one reason why people come here, as you alluded to, is an economic reason. But I believe that the driver is different. I believe that the driver is the reality of the economic crises that are faced in socialist countries, which many of these immigrants come from. And then that, in fact, is when they compare and contrast with the opportunities that are afforded to them in the United States. Well, that's a talking point, Ms. Victoria, and all due respect, I cannot solve a policy dynamic in another country. They don't take my tax money. But America does. America takes my tax dollars. They're accountable to my opinion. I get to say something here and I get to hopefully guide policy here. They take my money, they take your money. So the question is, do you agree that those who own the companies, hiring the individuals, breaking the same federal statute that says it is illegal to work undocumented. Remember the subsection says it's also illegal to hire those who are undocumented. You do agree, one, it is illegal, and two, there should be an emphasis on the CEOs and the hiring practices of these individuals in America, correct? Yes, I believe that any corporation you know, is forced to comply with things like E-Verify, which many do. And I believe that, again, these are not victimless crimes. If people choose to hire undocumented workers, they are actually taking away opportunities from Americans who are willing and able to have various jobs and then move themselves up the economic ladder. I believe that that opportunity should be afforded to anybody that wants to work hard in this country. Okay. And yeah, right. and yes. Well, let, let me ask you this. So we all we do always kind of go to this employment dynamic. Um, do you know the number one job killer in America? You know what it is? I would say it's probably the prevalence of large government programs that encourage people to not work instead of work. And we've seen- No, no I- ma'am, the facts, uh, you, you should actually check some facts before you say talking points to me. The number one, this is this is not a game to me. I don't use talking points, I use actual data. The number one job killer in America is automation. It is uh, taking a cashier, a person away from a job and replacing that person with a machine. Not only is it the number one job killer in America, those jobs don't come back. They're gone forever. So if this is important to you, 
because you care about Americans working, which I do. I care about Americans working. Then why are we never, why is it never a policy discussion about automation in America, the number one job killer? We go, we pivot back to a talking point rather than an actual thoughtful discussion about the reality of automation killing jobs. Sure, I think that that is a very sufficient part of our labor force. I just know, for example, I was in IHOP just the other day and they had robots busing meals to tables from the kitchen where they have live human beings working in the kitchens. They were working together with an automated workforce and they were providing customer service. I believe that that is the way forward. That is the way that innovation has always prepared this country and many other capitalist nations forward. And so even if certain jobs are taken away, you are still creating other jobs. You know, for example, somebody else now has to come out, maybe not from within that company, say, you know, IHOP for that example. They have to go in and they have to hire somebody third party to service those machines. That job didn't exist until that robot was created to do that job. And so even though a certain job may be being taken away because of automation, the overall volume of labor and of jobs that are needed, I don't believe really actually changes. People no, that's, it, that's incorrect. In fact, don't skills. bear that out, madam. Madam, you're off by millions, uh, millions. And I understand your point. Your point is well received and not do get it, but you're incorrect on the numbers. So while you do have enhanced service industry as it relates to tech, um, those particular jobs that are more um, technologically skill heavy um, do not require the same number of individuals inside of the workforce uh, in order to uh, maintain those particular functions. So you're still dealing with a net negative of jobs that leave our country by way of being in the country. In addition to that, the no matter what calculation, the number one reality about undocumented workers in America is that they contribute way more to the economic systems than they ever have dreamed of taking away. The most conservative estimate from Republican or conservative think tanks is that you have a net positive of over 10 million, okay? That's from the most conservative estimation. Uh, And I think those numbers get underrepresented in narratives that are somehow antithetical uh, to those who are undocumented in America. Do you not agree that there has to be more of a nuanced conversation than putting folk, rounding them up and putting them inside of basically concentration camps in America? You don't think that creates more of a nightmare? I believe that we do need comprehensive immigration reform. This is something I talk about on a number of programs that I appear on. That includes both legal and illegal. But the number one step that we have to do is stop overwhelming the system, which means first shutting down the southern border. Then it means taking care of the people that are already here today, giving them pathway to citizenship if they have that. But to me, that means doing it the legal way. It does not mean having them cut in front of the line. This is something that I've personally experienced from the other side. My family came here in the year 2000. and we know that when my family was going through the system, we were going through it at the same time when I believe it's two out of the most five egregious immigration amnesty bills were signed, which overwhelmed the system. The system does need reform. You do need things like more caseworkers, more federal judges. But this does not mean that these people have to have an alternative path because they have been here for a certain time. I believe that the pathway should be reimagined again for everybody that wants to come to this country. But those that are here illegally do not deserve any kind of special treatment. 
And again, especially because personally, somebody that is a legal immigrant, somebody whose family lived here for over a decade, paying taxes, contributing to programs that people that are illegal, for example, benefit from. I believe that legal migrants are actually at the biggest disadvantage because there's, you know, like I said, in my personal case, a decade plus of whether we were paying the taxes. But like you and I today, we couldn't actually contribute and have a voice in our politics, in our democracy. And that's why I think first we have to address the legal avenues that somebody can come to this country. And that is the way that we should be encouraging them to come, but not the illegal way that over 9 million individuals have come since the start of the Biden administration. You know, we say 9 million. Um, there are others that estimated to be over 20. Uh, and the reality is nobody knows the actual number. These are all guesstimations, okay? Every single one of the numbers proclaimed is a guess. It's not a fact. Uh, but the reality is this. We talk about immigration in the context of us and them. Uh, it is us and us. We're all human beings. We're all people. And we understand cause and effect. If America wanted to solve this problem, they would do things that made sense. Like number one, going after the CEOs who create the problem. Number two, trying to ally with nations and remedy the forces that create the outpouring of people leaving the nation in order to seek economic opportunity. America fights wars claiming they're the good guys and they must be involved in this conflict. But what about the economic conflict? What about the corrupt, the corruption conflict that causes a domestic issue in America? They don't seem to be willing to correct those. And while we're on the subject of habitual violators as it relates to immigration law, who or what country is the number one violator of overstay visas in America? Do you know that answer? Uh, my guess would probably be India. It's actually Canada. Canada. Canadians are the number one violators for overstay visas in America. Have you ever heard of a um, narrative or you know a potential raid to round up Canadians? I have not heard of a proposal why? like that. But one thing that I am aware of is but actually why? Field. Victoria, why? Why? They're violating law. They're violating immigration law. Why? Have you never heard? of Canadians being rounded up in this nation. I have never heard of that, probably for the same reason that you never have, because you don't have trains of Canadians lining up at the northern border to cross into this country illegally like you do at our southern border. And at the southern border, I believe that it is a sheer mass of individuals from a variety of countries. However, that total number, you think it's the number. is bigger. You think it's just the number? I've always tried to base my arguments and facts and okay. figures that have solid data behind them. So I always tend to look at the numbers when I'm forming my own opinions and arguments. Well, my point to you is that not only have you never heard that Canadians are the number one violators of overstayed visas in America, which makes them what? Undocumented, makes them in the country, uh, being, uh, being in the country illegally. Um, you're not going to hear about some massive law enforcement apparatus coming after them. Uh, and that is because the narrative to white Canadians do not, that narrative does not fit like it fits to brown people who are trying to work to make ends meet. All right, I'll let you have the last word. Go ahead. Again, I just want to say that Trump's proposals, if he is the presumptuous Republican nominee, and if you look at polling that shows he is beating Biden, especially in a number of swing states, these policies will be enacted into law. And I think that they are going to make this country safer and more secure. 
about a year from now plus when the next president is inaugurated if it is somebody other than Joe Biden. Okay, um, last question. What demographic in America has the lowest crime rate among them? I think that it is people that come here to this country wanting to make it better. So I believe that it is probably your legal immigrants who recognize the value of laws and have honored them from day one that they stepped on American soil. All right, it's actually undocumented individuals. They have per capita percentage wise the lowest offense rate than any other demographic in America. Just you can check the facts on that one. I do appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely.